Shut up and sit down. I did try to uh, stymie Josh's alcohol consumption <laughs> by did. not putting vodka in his drink. An early block. Vodka. An early evening block. <laughs> so he hands me this drink. He tells me it's a Moscow mule, but you cannot fool a professional, okay? Except for you were halfway through the drink before you realized. But well, no. This is true. This is absolutely it's true. A, you kind of handed it to me before I gave you the verdict. Well, I looked at you and I said, uh-huh, there's some bullshit happening here. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is the New Utah Podcast. This is uh, episode nine, a momentous episode nine. No one thought we'd make it this far. Can you believe we've been doing this for over two months now? I can. <clears throat> it feels like just yesterday. It does. It does not feel like we've been doing it for two months. Makes me happy. Our uh, exponentially growing listener base. <laughs> it's really easy to grow exponentially when you start when you're, when you're one. You would actually be surprised how many people are like, oh yeah, I listen to you. So yeah, I wouldn't don't be. Don't discredit. I, I know the numbers. <laughs> And you know what's what's impressive to me is not just the the number of people that listen to us, but the cool people that I would want to associate with that have similar likes and interests and views are listening to us. That is so cool. Like our voice is getting out there to people that are similar to us. That's that's neat. Whose voices are we? I don't what whose what, what voice is what, speaking to yeah. us? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I am Josh Butterfield, entrepreneur and resident drinker. I'm a drinkist. Drinky Magoo. He I'm is Drinky, Drinky Magoo. Magoo. And real estate mogul. Real estate mogul. Board game designer. Board game designer. Comic book creator. Comic book creator. Stuff. I do stuff. <laughs> Always wears and a tie. I am wearing a really pretty blue tie, actually. Uh, has the, the most disgusting shoes on the planet most of the time that he lets his dogs chew up. Not Not today. No, well, those are those are basically a new version of your old gross shoes. Yeah, those are like those shoes we had on the show a few weeks ago. My my wife calls them the clown shoes. They just need velcro. They are clown shoes. Well, they were. I threw them away. I threw them away no, this you did week. Not. I did. I really did. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Those were great chew toys for the dogs. Awesome. We also have with us our our lovely uh, event mistress. I'm Jessica, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> who is zoning out right now. So, so, so tell us about your event, mistress, because I'll make the sexy noise. What? I, we already <laughs> said no <laughs> more of that. You're not allowed to do that. I'll have to change the name. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't yeah. do it. The event moo moo wearer or something. You can't. Totally it, unattractive. Yeah. No. Josh no. Might have it needs to be sexy time. Whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't know what you say to that, God. Jeremy. Okay, I'm Jeremy. <laughs> uh, Utah transplant, entrepreneur, small business owner, architect, designer, gardener, DIY professional, father, funny guy. Can you be a professional DIY? Is that such a professional? I think you're a professional junker. That's true. That that's where I would classify you. That's uh, true. Building your own greenhouse out of garbage. And that is true. Building your own window furnace out of garbage. and It's awesome. Feeding your chickens garbage. Feeding your dog chickens. Well, you know. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Baron Ebo is not fed chickens. Baron, 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 Baron Von Ebo hunts them down. He is a bastard. But 
He's a good dog. He's he just likes dog. the taste of chicken. Who doesn't? <laughs> Everything tastes like chicken. <laughs> and sitting next to me is Chris. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe when the chickens stop laying and they're not really any good to eat, maybe you just let Ebo have them. Just let the chickens out of the coop, close the Dude. door, go in the house. <laughs> That is an awful perspective. <laughs> yeah, I, hopefully my wife and my daughters don't hear this. They might. They might uh, well, since they don't listen to our podcast, sleep. you're probably okay. <laughs> I am Chris. I am your host of this uh, lovely podcast about uh, all things Utah. Uh, local entrepreneur, uh, transplant to Utah, but I absolutely love it here and wouldn't dream of living anywhere else right now. You know, we're all for entrepreneurs in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. That is, level. that is cool. And that's not just the full suspension parallel from Squatters, local brewery, talking. No, no, that's from my heart. They're not sponsoring They're us. not sponsors yet. Maybe someday. I'm sorry. It's from Bleepers. It's Bleepers. Full suspension parallel. No, so you're still product naming. It's a parallel. He's drinking a parallel. That is a local brewed parallel. So good. Uh, anyway, so uh, let's get going today. Um, we have, of course, our, our Kickstarter for today. Um Something that uh, Josh knows quite a bit about. Uh, it's a Kickstarter called Armored Core RTS, a real-time strategy board game. So right out of the gate, I'm not a fan of the title. RTS stands for real-time strategy. It's, it's like saying going to the ATM automatic teller machine. It sounds stupid. <laughs> right. That is my least of concerns. But first of all, let's look at the good here. So this is a Kickstarter that has succeeded like gangbusters and is going to go big. KickTrack has it listed at about $908,000, so it's going to net close to a, a million dollars. So they've got, they've still got 21 days to go. They've already and shattered their goal. Yeah, their, their goal was 75 grand. They're nearly quarter of a million right now. Yeah, so they're already over 300% of their goal. And, and part of it is just that they have a really cool video. Uh, the video, as, as uh, Chris outlined earlier, highlights elements of gameplay and some of the cool features of the game. And has some really cool cinematic, uh, theatric well, kind of elements. A minute and a half, they don't say a word. I love it. A minute and a half, and it's it's really good. However, from a board game design perspective, this game looks like shit. Specifically because <laughs> there... I mean, if I look at the board, there's no real art. The, the pillars that divide the thing are... They might as well be toilet paper rolls. <laughs> The mechs are cool. You know, that might have been their prototype. Is I, I, I don't think you're wrong, but this is a finished product, and these guys are going to net a million dollars. I want it to look better than this. Well, one thing that one thing that might happen, so their backer levels are pretty narrow. They only have a few options open. Most of their early bird stuff is gone. In fact, all their and early bird stuff hell. is gone. It's expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the base price is $75 for the game, so it's definitely got... Badooey! Badooey! Um... Their it's early bird stuff is really gone. Um, they have a they have a package uh, that's one twenty five, and then really to get everything, you're, you're looking at a two hundred and seventeen dollar plus donation. And they even have those capped for their full expansions and everything else. Yeah, I, I would not back this Kickstarter. I, it, and plus, it doesn't really look like that great of a game. They're capitalizing on a couple of gimmicks. Well, and they're, they're so, capitalizing on a license, and I think this is important because you see on Kickstarter a lot of times, like uh, card games. 
you know, Hoyle playing card decks that have licensing to something like Star Wars. Right. So the back of the card right. is freaking Star Wars. And they almost always succeed big time. So the, this is a licensed game from Armored Core is, is a game that was around a few years ago. So they have this license for Armored Core. And I think part of why this is doing so well is one thing I notice with games when I look at Kickstarter, if you have figures... The games tend to do really, really well if now, you've got molded figures. Agreed. Is their video coming out of the original gaming? Do you know? Because their video is It awesome. probably is, actually. Now their video is amazing. It. It's been a long time since I've played that game. But that's probably true. That That is probably video that comes from the cinematic, one cinematic of the trailers amazing. of the game. I mean, if these guys put that video together themselves, they paid big bucks. Yeah, I'm guessing it's rights from Came some right of the, the cinematic stuff of the game. So that is some of the stuff that they, they talk about in their challenges. Um... Kickstarter is going to go gangbusters. I'm kind of with Josh. It seems like for the price, uh, the design is is definitely lacking. I don't know that I think the gameplay is going to necessarily be lacking. It looks like it could be a fun game. Um, it's got lights on it. Yeah, I mean the game pieces have light up bases <laughs> that direct where they, they can do shoot. have some elements that that uh, accelerate the targeting part of of gaming, but they don't. I mean, what it is, it's like a flashlight. And yeah, that it's really it hard. Just a if they did a laser light. that you know was a little bit more targeted specific, sharks with lasers. Well, they had sharks with lasers. And keep in mind, this is still fairly prototype. They don't have final sign off from true. the game designers, that they which got is the another from. concern. Yeah, but at a, at a on record or on track to hit a million dollars, I'm not as concerned about that. So they set a goal of seventy five thousand. Let's so. say they get a million dollars now. Are they going to buy art? They've already pitched the game as is. They're not going to go get art. That's well, right, again, terms and conditions. Terms and conditions. No, I agree. But again, the, it it also depends on the people that made Armor Core. That's I mean, the thing is, if if they, if they, they don't the like say, it, if, if they have the same opinion as you that hey, this board game looks like shit, you need to put some artwork on the board. They may say, hire some of our artists, our original artists, to sure. design the board. It's possible that Armor Core came, maybe, 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 who knows? Armor Core came to him and said, okay, if this succeeds, then we'll back it, then we'll give you artwork, then we'll boost it, but you need to see if this thing is even going to take off. Yeah, so. And it has. Who knows? I mean, they have proof of concept here that this game is popular and, it, and it's worth investing into. So the best case scenario is they do invest in some art. And they turn these stupid piece of shit toilet paper rolls <laughs> into something yeah. that looks a little well, bit more meaningful. I, I'm just saying the game board is just like a flat slate gray game board with crap drawn on it that's not even good. No, it's it is shit. Yeah. Now I'm hoping the gameplay isn't shit, but you can't really tell from the gameplay illustrations. They do have a small tutorial down towards the bottom, but uh, anyway, that's uh, that's Armored Core. Um, and despite. Once again, despite what we say, uh, they've already way, well, they've, way I mean, they, they backed 12 projects prior to this. These yeah. are people that are involved. They, As you know, they, they were in the, the gaming guild or at least showed right. up a few times Absolutely. here in Utah. So, so they're doing everything right as far as that goes. No, and you know what? I talk a lot of smack, but for heaven's sakes, please go out, take a look at this Kickstarter, and, you know, there's some cool elements to the game. I am a re- I'm kind of a dick when it comes to board games. But this could be right up your alley, and it's got some kind of innovative elements like the lighting and the terrain elements and how you play against it. Um, I'm just not convinced it's a good board game, but that's just because I'm a jerk. 
Good enough. Enough Good said. Enough. So uh, this is um, kind of post uh, World War Three fireworks woes. Uh, Utah's had its second weekend of explodey <laughs> fun time and concerts and. You know, last night was a bunch of freaking fireworks because, God forbid, we celebrate the holiday on the actual holiday in this state. If it falls on a Sunday... If it falls a on a Sunday, you're going to trick-or-treat on a Saturday and a Sunday and probably a Monday. I'll probably on Monday. Wait, so why am I complaining about that? That's three nights of candy. Because that's three nights of bastards coming to my door expecting candy. <laughs> Stock up. <laughs> my neighbors had the biggest shindig of the world in the circle uh, on my street last night. Uh, when I say World War Three, I'm talking about like an hour and a half of explosions. Um, Your dogs are traumatized. Four or five barbecue grills. So the big dog doesn't care. She's like, hey, whatever. It's not affecting me. Chopper's like shaking underneath the bed because he's afraid of the fireworks. So Chopper! How can he have such a manly name and be such a pussy? Because he's got to have a manly name, like Chopper, to be a Chopper. eight and a half pound chihuahua. Like, <laughs> so when he's quivering under the bed, you make him take off his sweet like Harley jacket that says Hell's Angels on it? You know, he won't wear clothes. So Leah, the pit bull, she will wear anything. When she was young, uh, our daughter would put her in like her clothes, like a tube top and a dress. And the dog's just trotting around wearing clothes because she's the same size. Uh, but Chopper, if you put a shirt on him or a sweater on him because he gets cold in the winter he will just stand there he will not move he will just stand there and stare at that's you that's actually like, really traumatizing for some dogs <laughs> so he's not a fan of the clothing Angus Bobangus MacGyver is the exact same way you put anything on him and he just freezes and he will not move that might be a good uh, solution for when he's kind of out of hand just put, put a little shirt on him yeah shut him right I'm up I'm getting you some dog shirts I've got a really cool, like, He-Man of the Masters of the Universe shirt that we put on him sometimes. <laughs> and there's nothing like seeing a dog paralyzed. <laughs> <laughs> Only, like, having the He-Man. Anyway, don't do that. It's a dick So move. what do we have coming up in the way of events, uh, Jess? Um, I'm going a little bit out, but because it starts on the 1st, the tour of Utah is beginning. I don't remember what year this is that they've done it, but essentially it's Utah's version of the Tour de France which because, just finished. Because, you know, Utah's gotta have something that's a version of something else. Like, when the news discusses whether or not the Great Salt Lake can have a tsunami or, you know, <laughs> if some crazy volcano could explode next to us, which, by the way, it could. Yellowstone could. is a yes, giant volcano. It is a giant volcano. <laughs> it's a super volcano. <laughs> which it would is. annihilate <laughs> us if it goes. Um, so here's a question for you, Jess. Uh, is this kind of a big deal, or is it a local deal? No, it's it's massive. You have it's writers huge. from all over that come. It starts on the first and it goes to the seventh. It starts the first leg goes from Zion's to Cedar City. Wow, the that's second a leg goes ride. from Escalante to Torrey. The next one goes from Ridgefield to Payson. Uh, then the next day is Lehigh to Kearns. But that Ridgefield to Payson ride is probably the worst. Yeah, well, it's the most it's like 110 <laughs> yeah, degrees down there right now. And in Kearns, though. Yeah, they're going to, I would keep an eye out for your traffic in town. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a concern. I mean, this is a, a I hate bicyclists most of the time. They're annoying. <laughs> you know, and being all healthy and it's like not green. The health thing. It's it's the, the obeying the rules of traffic that they want to obey. You know, it's cutting people off it's driving down the middle of two lanes of traffic when they should be on the on the side in a bike lane 
Um, they just, for the most part, annoy the crap out of me in commuting. But this is a huge event, um, and it's a good chance for a lot of professional bike riders to see the beauty of Utah. I mean, it is really a gorgeous state. Oh, the, those first couple legs are fantastic. Plus, and they, really you get out of Salt Lake, and Utah's a vast, well, open... Yeah, even the last few legs, I mean, as you get up into northern Utah, they go up, right. I'm it sure... It goes Antelope to Bountiful, Snow Basin to Snowbird, and then they end in Park City. And it changes every year. You can see Burnt Up Antelope Island. <laughs> yeah, they're probably going to see burnt up plenty of stuff by the time they start riding. <laughs> a lot of the state's on fire right oh, now. Sad. So, and Utah does have a very big biking community. Um, even if it was just local, it's a huge event. Uh, lots of people like to get on their bikes and put on their little skin tight suits and squish their balls. <laughs> I like I like when you say little. It kind of like. Eh. Have you seen them? <laughs> yeah, they're little. They're really tight. They're very. You know what's fitting. not little? They're ridiculous calves when they ride around a lot. Like, that is true. That is true. That is true. Anyway, Jess is rolling her eyes. Like, just shut the hell up, you. She's like, I want to get on this no, shit. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> she loves our dialogue. She just wants some more of it. I think that it's also important to note that it's one of only five UCI-sanctioned multi-stage pro cycling events that happens in North America. That's big. That's no. big because most pro cycling is done overseas. Mm-hmm. Tour de France so. just finished last week, I believe. I don't understand. I love sports and I watch a lot of sports on TV. I'll watch tennis on TV sometimes. I can't watch golf. I do not understand how someone watches someone ride a bike. <laughs> It's similar they might to, be waiting for them to crash. I mean, it's yeah. similar to NASCAR in some regards, but everyone you talk to that watches NASCAR watches it for the crashes. Mm-hmm. Dude. It might be very similar. The distinction is having skin in the game and having uh, someone that you, like, are backing. So you're, or, like, betting on? The yeah, kind of. But there, there was a scene in, I can't remember what bike race it was, but they, they go kind of in a pack, right? There's, like, a team. There's of, always a leader. There's always yeah. a team, yeah, but there's one person... There's one person that's kind of the person who should be winning, right? It's the the person the whole team is supporting. If you ain't first, you're last. And they'll, what they'll do is, like, there was a scene, I can't remember exactly what it was, <laughs> but they were all, they supported this guy while he changed his shirt, changed his, I can't remember exactly what it was. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, sorry. In the Tour de France? Damn, this beer is good. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but the beer is good. Keep going. Are you talking about Lance Armstrong? No, no. Because he pretty much uh, made a big impact on Recently, the there was a scene where the American team all supported, like, the leader. Oh, no. They this also... is why I tried to shorten your first drink. I know, way. it didn't work. I'm feeling it pretty good, actually. But they, they basically, they all kind of push up against him and support him while he does... Important changes and events. I, I can't remember exactly what. While it he's is. riding his bike. Yes, like they don't stop because of the support of the teammates. He's able to do something, and they kind of support him and carry him along. While They're he like does red it. ants when they float on water. Whoa, that's deep. They're like red. I wish you had a drink. I would that's toast you. So <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I don't believe shit that you just said. So <laughs> let's move on to the next. I'm going to look at. I want someone who listened to our podcast to post. The answer and refute Chris's disbelief with hard, cold facts. Because Josh is absolutely not going to back up his own bullshit. I want. <laughs> no, I think it's going to. You won't believe me. You'll be like, you made this shit up. But I want a listener to pull it up, pal. 
Yep. Waste your time, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, we're going um, a little old school this week with concerts. Yay! Um, on Friday at Metro Bar, Eve 6 is coming. I love Eve 6. I do, too. They're fantastic. And tickets are only 15 to $20. I would assume $15 before and 20 at the door. Um, also at Metro this week is a is the 14th annual Halloween in July. It's to celebrate the manager's birthday. He's put this on, and it's it's probably one of the biggest bar events that happens in the I've summertime. I've never been, but I've heard it's amazing. I've heard yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. They started all the prep work for it. Now the the so. Metro is the Metro is by isn't the trap door right? It's by right the metro? next door. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of behind. So if you it's don't a gay know, bar. It's, uh, no. No, the metro's no, not. They the, trap the trap is. Right. The metro no, that's, is what, that's what yeah. I say. So it's back in the warehouse district, kind of just a couple blocks west of the gateway, where all the clubs seem mm-hmm. to be, you know, where Axis used to be way back in the day, where yeah. Bricks right. is at. The complex right. is over yeah, there. Yeah, the, the complex is over there now. You know, that used to be the warehouse, the complex, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy that owned that place was a piece of work. <laughs> I had a lot of dealings with him back in the days. I used to <laughs> help with party promotions. He was uh, something else. Well, speaking of the complex, the Psychedelic Furs and the church will be the there on Saturday, and I'm Love going, and I'm so excited. So you are going to that one? Yes, I will be going to that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's actually a couple other really cool events you guys I can't wait for our album to come out for Psychedelic Furs <laughs> covers, because that's going to sound The awesome. church is also they just might, as amazing. They might be better Under than the Psychedelic Furs. <laughs> What else did they do? A, a song called Reptile, which is fantastic. <laughs> really? <laughs> Who is this? The church? the church? They're from Australia. They're great. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there's a couple of other great events that are going on this week at the King's English Bookshop, which I is love the King's English. on uh, 15th South and 15th East on the 28th. Uh, Rhonda Stapley, who was a victim of Ted Bundy, has written a book called The Attack, Escape, and PTSD That Changed My Life, and she will be at the bookstore, uh, and it's a free event. You can go. Ted Bundy, famous serial killer. Yes, Ted Bundy, the famous serial Now, killer. I will point out... Hustle from Utah. Jane's Addiction no, just wrote a song called Just Admit It, Ted. In which they highlight some quotes from Ted Bundy, and it's a very good song. I don't know what. The <laughs> uh, I don't know where you're going, and well, I don't know that I agree with th- you. That's the whole point. Music, is, Ted Bundy. Just admit it, Ted Bundy. Jane's addiction. Here's Jane's addiction. Nineteen minute long songs that have seven words in the whole song. Jane does always say though. <laughs> Chris, we, I may feel this room full. And then you might get caught stealing. So, yeah. dude, <laughs> I might have just plagiarized their whole damn recording. Just career. admit it, Ted is their coolest song. Actually, three days. I bet the lyrics are vastly different in the two as well. You know what? I will flip this table up and I will fill this room full of uppercuts right now. Except, <laughs> except for you, Jeremy, and you. But you, sir, are in trouble. <laughs> I'm just not a huge fan of Jane's Addiction. I don't. That's I don't okay. Do I love Jane's Addiction, but so, they're not coming in concert. Yeah. Apparently, you love psychedelic furs and rusted root. Is there I, a band you rusted root? I love. I love music. Send me away. I love lamp. Send me away. You live in a good place <laughs> to love music. It's true. So we also have the Fringe Festival this weekend that runs from the 29th to the 7th, and this is so cool because it's based off of a festival that is in Edinburgh that runs uh, like late July, August, 
and it started that festival started in 1947 and last year i think they said they had about 50,000 uh different acts Whoa. <laughs> just in edinburgh so how Salt long Lake, is it like a week no it la- it's about three weeks long i was gonna say yeah. that's a lot um, i love edinburgh it's pretty amazing um but <laughs> <laughs> it's so anyways it's a dance i love lamp I love lamp. He does love lamp. <laughs> Something Dude. that's really awesome about this is that 100% of the sales are going to the artists. That um, is really rare and cool. Yeah. Um, you have everything from art. dance, theater, music. Harpoon. Um, aerial silks. One of the performances called Fed Up Fairy Tales, which is like modern fairy tales. Um, they're doing an all-female Othello, which is inspired cool. by Mad Max. What? Whoa. Yeah. No. That's really cool. So, tickets start at $10, plus there's a $5 tattoo, which is kind of like a wristband that they have, but Not they've a done one. a tattoo. Um, well, you could probably get the temporary tattoo put on. And, and then, then go then get go that. To it's actually a really cool-looking tattoo. It's like bucks. an F with a like, watercolor. Hey, I suggest you do that on your lower back. Jess, when, when you build the... <laughs> by the way, I think we should take a moment and just acknowledge the fact that Jess builds our website and does most of our Facebook stuff. And is awesome, but when you build our new our new um, web page, the blog entry mm-hmm. for this, will you put an example of what that tattoo looks like? Because yeah. I'd love oh, to absolutely. see it. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so there's a lot of really just cool artsy stuff that is going on. Fringe. Yeah. Oh, I, s- I promise not to yell. Why don't you just go ahead and get the clapping out of the way too while you're at it? Josh uh, has got the clap. Thanks, Jess. Uh, Well, there might be some other new stuff coming uh, to Salt Lake as well, right, Jess? Uh, Yeah. Utah could be soon playing host to the Gay Olympics, or the Gay Games is what they're called. The 2022, they are a finalist for the Gay Games, which is awesome. So are the Gay Games just Olympics with gay people? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. It's just really awesome because it'll give an opportunity to show off our facilities that we have here that have been here since the Olympics, essentially. So um, there, there's some pros and cons to this. The pro is that we indicate that Salt Lake City is a thriving gay community. Which and it that is. We really, and it really, it's been, truly it's, is. It's actually been recognized as one, of the, as one of the most gay-friendly cities. Salt Lake City, anyway. And right. Diversified. Uh, in the country. But the, I think the downside is at some point, I've got we've got to stop distinguishing straight people from gay people and just say they're people, right? And I think, but the the problem is by by uh, and by the way, I'm about one of the most liberal people in the entire universe, and I I love gay. I think gay all the way. But <laughs> I have a I mean, if we really want to start truly assimilating all of those. You know all of that lifestyle into our normal I- into the normal perspective. I guess then we just need to stop distinguishing one versus the other. I agree to some extent, but we're not there yet as a culture. I think it's a problem. You know, it's the same. It's the same argument as, as Black Lives Matter. Yes, all lives matter, right? It matters when someone dies unnecessarily. But the reason Black Lives Matter is such a powerful movement and is needed is because there is an epidemic of black people being treated unfairly and very prejudicially uh, by police forces and, and 
and okay. by members of the service organization. When you when you put it in that perspective, I agree completely because I completely understand the and, Black Lives Matter. And if Matter. you look at at LGBTQ, uh, the community where they're at, where they're at with rights in this country, well, what's been uh, it's going appalling. On lately. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at North Carolina and the bullshit legislation that's being passed in North Carolina. So the cities of North Carolina go. Uh, yeah, you're morons. We're going to enact ordinances that basically prevent us from having to follow your shit. So the legislature pulls a special session and makes the law more stringent and basically overturns all the city legislation. So now you have... I mean, this is real stuff that's going on. You know, people are appalled that a transgender person might walk into a bathroom of the sex they identify with and take a shit. Because they think they're going to molest a child that happens to be in the bathroom that at the same the time. That is the most unattended. ridiculous bullshit I've heard. I agree, but that is precisely why you still have you to know have what? this kind of stuff go on. I, I understand now. Thank you. That makes sense. I think this article is giving a different perspective than just Salt Lake City as a finalist. Because they're really focusing on the tourist part of it and getting people to Utah to see what a great place this is. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, the the Federation of Gay Games office, uh, the uh, his uh, site selection officer um, said that the competitive and like, lengthy process, it's hard work, um, but the impact that it has in host cities is incredible in terms of culture, sport, economic impact, history and furthering those matters. So I think that just having the tourist part of it is important. Well, and it's, not, it's not just a U.S. thing. That's something to keep oh, in yeah. mind. It's international. Oh, it's Hong Kong, Yeah, Mexico. so we're up against like Cape, Cape South, Town, yeah, South, South Africa, Africa, Guadalajara. Even uh, Tel Aviv. So, and, and when you look at these cities, you know, you have Austin, which you would think, yes, that's a very liberal town. Dallas, which you Honestly, Dallas, I would not expect that from San Francisco, them. though. Um, L.A., San Francisco, you would expect to be able to do something like that. D.C. Um, but the beauty of, of Utah, like you were saying earlier, Jess, we have a ton of great facilities already And I think that this. that's what we have over a lot of these places is the ability to... Uh, we've host, we posted the Olympics before. Yeah, so, 10 years ago. You know, it's ago. completely um, pliable. Um of note, it, this won't be decided until next October. So, October but really cool for us to be considered and be yeah. nominated yeah. And, and, and the running is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree. And and by the way, I really do appreciate you creating a metaphor that I totally understand. That's what I'm here for, Josh, to help <laughs> you understand. <laughs> Me too. I mean, it's it, it really is. I, I get what you're saying, and I think we do need to be there at some point. But but we're not there yet. We're not there. And I mean, until we get there, we're going to have to take these steps to, to do it. Yeah. It's the same thing with Misty Snow, for example. I mean, Misty Snow, yeah, it sucks that we have to say that she's a transgender nominee, but that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal that Hillary Clinton is the first ever nominee, like, for president as a female the in the history of the United States, the first female nominee from a major party. Which That's is sad. Which is sad only because other countries have already had. Oh yeah, women presidents and, and women prime ministers, and prime ministers, and, yep. and yeah. Margaret Thatcher. So we're, we're, we're like fifty years. Yeah, behind. I mean, we're definitely behind the curve there in the Western world. She killed the industry in Scotland. You know yeah. what? I'm gonna <laughs> pretend you 
Uh, so something else that, that's on my mind that I want to talk about, and this is kind of a, a long-running story, but uh, Real Salt Lake a couple weeks ago um, pulled the credentials for an, uh, a columnist from the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, Gordon Monson was the the writer, the beat writer. Uh, I guess he's not the beat writer. I think that's Camroni, but um, he was a he's a columnist for the Tribune, and he's written a lot of sports articles. They actually pulled his press credentials. Uh, so you know, the Tribune, in response, basically uh, wrote kind of a nasty little article about why his credentials were pulled, and essentially, he wrote an article about a year ago that that really kind of. Uh, put the screws to Deloy Hansen. Almost a year um, to date, actually. Yeah, yeah, and so it was, it was a little surprising that it took so long. Monson's, you know, no no scaredy cat to political commentary, actually. He has a sports talk radio with Spencer Checkets, and they, they do tend to, to lay heavily on the front office of Real Salt Lake, but they have valid points. So I think that the front office, and, and probably more specifically the ownership group for Real Salt Lake, Deloy Hansen, Pulled the credentials thinking, well, if you're going to talk trash on us, you shouldn't be in our locker room. You shouldn't be in our press conferences. So to give um, those that, are, that don't know, can you give a real quick just recap of what they said, of what they claimed, what, or what he wrote about RSL that made them want to pull the credentials? Just yeah, so I, I think it all started with that article. And the article essentially said, you know, a, a few key things. Um, but, you know, the loss of Jason Christ as, as the coach for RSL, you know, underbidding the guy to a point instead of locking him in. You know, you get a coach that has taken the club from being the worst in the league to literally the best in the league. And in his final contract year, you don't give him an offer he can't refuse. So now he starts looking elsewhere, ends up leaving Real Salt Lake. Right. So there's the first step. Then you lose Garth Lagerway, who is a fantastic general manager, to the Seattle Sounders who create a position to bring him in. That's how much he wanted to get out. So basically his column just pointed out the facts. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of the stuff that's been changing, and he's done good stuff for the team. He saved the team from, from financial ruin. But at the end of the day, they're making some really horrible decisions, and it's it's pretty apparent. Um, what's interesting about this is his credentials were reinstated after that game, but not by Real Salt Lake's doing. Um, Major League Soccer, the commissioner of Major League Soccer, Don Garber, actually forced the issue and made Real Salt Lake give the credentials back. It is a freedom of the press issue. Look, MLS is a business, and Real Salt Lake's a business, but at the end of the day, it's also a national sports team. I mean, this was a big blemish for the league because it ended up uh, showing up on the front page of ESPN and quite a few other big sports you know, sites, so... Uh, it was a big deal. Um, it was a little underhanded and, and kind of crappy of them to do. So, so that's my rant about RSL. Um, I think uh, Monson's got some valid points, though. <laughs> um, we do want to talk a little bit about uh, Utah Lake. So, oh, yeah. we, we talked a few weeks ago uh, about the water quality, the report that came out. Um, you know, the the San Juan River, for example, and the concerns that they had about Utah Lake at the time for the the algal blooms. The week before this happened, um, I don't remember what organization it was, came out and was like, stop picking on Utah Lake, and then this happened. (laughs) Well, look, and it's not Utah, look, it's not the lake's fault that it's a dirty cesspool, right? It's it's all the dumping that it's gone on in that lake for years and years and years. Now, they don't know what has caused this bloom, but it's covering over 90% of the lake at this point, and it's a toxic algae. So, beyond the fact that it's an algal bloom that's covering 90% of the lake. Essentially what happens when you get that, 
nothing right away, right? It covers the lake. It's gross. It's gross to look at. It can be hazardous to animals, even if it's, it's not toxic. It's actually quite lovely to look at. It's this beautiful green that covers <laughs> the entire green Not if you put your hand in it, though. I'll it's post really the video gross. of it creeping the into the harbor. The time lapse. It is oh, yeah. like horror movie yeah. creepy. So, so but what happens is that stuff is it dies and decomposes, actually sucks all the oxygen out of the water, That's which kills toxic. off all the wildlife. Uh, so it's it's really really bad, and it, and they are concerned that it's getting into some other waterways. Um, as a result of that, uh, they did some stuff in the last <laughs> week or so. Um, they shut off uh, secondary water to just about the entire valley, is my understanding. Yeah. So 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 I live in an area where there's secondary water, and I've got my little mini farm going on with my chickens and my garden and everything else. So they cut off our secondary water, which which is. It, I understand to a point why they did it, but they did it as a precaution. <clears throat> what really stands out is there's a local farmer who lives just down from me, uh, Peterson's Farm, and he told he told the, the news, because he was on the news, he said, you know what, I'm going to keep watering, because he called the he called the University of Utah, he called the Utah Health Department, he called a number of different places and said, tell me that my watering... My plants is going to hurt the consumers who who purchase my produce, and they said, "Well, we can't we can't say that that's the case for sure. It's just a precaution." And and what he said is, if I don't water my crops for two days, they have sun damage. If I don't water my crops for four days, they die. And this is my livelihood. So if you tell me that watering with this possibly algae infected water is going to cause problems, then I'll stop. But nobody could. So long story short, about a week and a half, two weeks into it, uh, they came back and said, oh, no, this is not affecting anything. You're good to go. And they turned the water back on. And only old man waters from the Peterson farm was doing it right. You know, I I really get what Salt Lake County was doing. Um, You know, they better be cautious than to end up infecting a lot of people with with something that's potentially toxic. Um, You know, at the same time... Uh, I see where he's coming from, but I mean, this affected not just him; it affected a lot of homeowners and stuff. Right. So I get where he's coming from, but I think shutting off that secondary water to most of your muni- municipality is probably okay. It's probably the right thing to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I think you two are missing the bigger picture here, and I'm going to outline it for you. The bigger picture: this is how so many horror movies begin. <laughs> <laughs> if we stop this shit in its tracks. What's going to happen? No one's going to die. No one's going to get eaten by giant otters with like, horrifying teeth. Like the fog. I don't like think the it's fog. A, I don't think it's a radiated algae. Dude. They're I'm not just coming saying, from Dugway. We don't know that. There could be <laughs> so, some shit. So from my end, my frustration is I think they cut it off too soon. I think they should have done more research. I think they should have looked into it a little bit more. And I think that they shouldn't have shut it off so quickly. But let's say they take a week, Jeremy, to do that research, to, to talk to the right experts, to do the right tests... And you've been watering your garden for a week with something that's toxic. Now your entire garden's done. Right. But by not watering it for a week, <clears throat> my whole entire garden could be gone. But did you not water it for a week? Because they didn't shut off all your water. They no, just shut off the secondary. Secondary. So we, we water with culinary water. Which is which what is expensive. the vast majority of people in this city do. Because we don't all have secondary water. 
Very few of us do. You should move to Riverton. Yeah, I probably should <laughs> move out to farm country where you still have some secondary water. So anyway, the, so so this was a big to do uh, with Farmer Luke and with the city, um, and and it, you know it goes both ways, and there's there's two very very valid points on both ends. However, the bottom line is this algae mess. It's it, really bad. It's bad, and it's affected Jordan River. I want Utah's to know. not the only place this is happening. This is really, really bad in Florida as well. If you Google the algae bloom, those are the first stories that come up. Is yeah, what's it's a going lot on worse in Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what, it's what can they do about it? Not All much. they can do is let it. So, they, so they can try to clean it up a little bit. They can drag it a little. But. So one of the things they said is that really the only way to do it is a storm needs to come in. They need rain, and they need a good windstorm to churn it up and water to dilute it. That's about all they can do. Because if they add chemicals to it, you just compound. Yeah, the you're problem. just adding more toxins to the water. Couldn't they dredge it? I mean, like to a point. To a point, but the problem is algae is microscopic, right? It's not like what you see is is tons and tons of algae. So you drag it, but all the rest of it's still there, and it just comes back. And with the with the heat that we've had, which Utah's had, it's been a hot summer, and it's mm-hmm. continuing to be a hot summer the heat right now. It's compounding the problem, so it's 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 more it's more so than just go drive the lake for a couple hours or drop some chemicals, and it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, gotcha. so basically, Utah Lake, which has had a lot of cleanup effort over the last few years, is now back to being a toxic cesspool, which is what it was forever, especially where they had the steel plant out there. That is so sad. Yeah, yeah. Geneva did some damage, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, you know, also... And if the Republicans had their way... <laughs> it, I mean, honestly, if they did, more of this would be happening on incredibly protect uh, important historical sites. Well, uh, Representatives uh, Rob Bishop and Jason Chaffetz from the great state of Utah uh, are actually trying to do just that. They are part of a group that is pushing forward in the House uh, the Public Lands Initiative. Um, and essentially with public Selfish, lands... Selfish, self-serving bullshit. Oh, absolutely. So now, they're not saying that's what it's for, right? But essentially the Public Lands Initiative is going to designate... The idea is about 4.5 million acres of federal land for conservation um, and open up about 1.1 million for recreation, mineral development, that sort of thing. The, the that's big, 20%. The, the key thing there is is the development. That's the key. That's what this is all boiling down. Well, to. and look, look. When when the National Parks Act was 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 implemented and put into place, it was done so to protect those very lands. Then that, their argument is, well, there's valuable minerals and resources there. Yeah, and when we do something with those, we end up with a scar on the side of the mountain, like, like what Kennecott that you done. can see from or damn any space. of the freaking gravel pits near <laughs> any of the points. It's but worse something. Than, wait, something that's super unique to Bears Ears, though. Is that it's sacred to the Navajo Nation, right? And that just adds an extra factor, and it's tearing people that are part of this nation apart. Like they won't even talk to each other because yeah, it, this is well. And it's so not just polarizing. it's not just the Navajos. It's it's several different tribes: the Utes, the Navajos. Right. Uh, I think the Blackfoots. Um, there's a ton of tribes involved, and and this is just another place. You know, they're trying to push this legislation through so that Obama won't use an executive order to make it a national park. I hope Obama uses an executive order to make this a national park is the only way to truly protect what's going on here. Oh, absolutely. Because Because guess what? Those tribes get nothing out of it except their incredibly important sacred ground. 
becomes sold off to the highest bidder. Yeah, which well, is and, bullshit. And Bishop and Chaffetz will say, well, yeah, but we're going to give some of that land to them and make it a state yeah. park. <laughs> yeah, look what happened when we gave them the land 150 years that ago. Sounds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bingo. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, we'll give you some land. Yeah. It's self-serving because it's they're going to line their own pockets. It's special interest bullshit. And it is the type of Republican government... I'm sorry, I don't mean Republican. I mean Utah government. No, it's Republican. It's a very Republican... I know, thing. but they want I'm to trying pull, to be a little bit they more... They want to pull control of those lands out of federal hands. They want them to come down to state hands. They want... This, you know, the government really to be as then you end as up with point of mouth that's all tore up. Yeah, and pretty soon the whole freeway is going to fall it, off because there's nothing left. You know, but what's interesting is so you talk about that that belief that Republicans have that the government needs to stay out of things, but here in the state of Utah, guess who runs our liquor stores? The government. The government, <laughs> not private groups. We have crazy liquor laws here, and one of them that sucks the most is state-run liquor stores. So, we could not go to the liquor store on Sunday or Monday. Because the 24th was a Sunday, and then Monday was the state-celebrated version of that same holiday. So, liquor store's closed for two days. You cannot buy liquor before 8 a.m. 11. 11. 8 8 a.m. on a weekday. 11. 8 a.m. 8 a.m. on a weekday. Most of the liquor stores open around 9 or 10. But this is highlighting a big point. If the liquor laws are so complicated that a bunch of people who love booze don't even know, don't even know. <laughs> but I tried to go to a Harmon's and buy a, a six pack of beer, my wife uh, and I, at eight o'clock in the morning, at like at like seven thirty in the morning, and they're like, "I'm sorry, we can't sell this to you." I'm like, "What time can I buy this?" It's it's ridiculous. And I used to think people that drank at eight in the morning were alcoholics until. I worked a graveyard shift job, and I was, like, drinking at 8 in the morning on a Sunday because I had just gotten off work, and I totally understand. Because that was your 10 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. Well, we were just, we were shopping for a party, for your birthday party. At 8 a.m.? Sure, we were out. How else did you guys do that day? A lot of things. Important (laughs) things. Mostly naked. Well, the reason I bring that up is is because... um, you know, the Democrats uh, here in Utah, Senator DeBacchus and a few others, are going to try and privatize the liquor stores. Woo! Uh, this reality, is a huge effort. It is, but i got to be honest with you, I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it's... it's no, a, but you know what? Good on DeBacchus for trying. Is it yeah. DeBacchus or DeBacchus? DeBacchus. DeBacchus. I, I think he's going to have a really hard time even getting it out there for a vote. It's going to have a hard time coming out of committee. But he's putting it out there, uh, and that's what... that's. I think it's most important that he's willing to make the effort. Somebody's got... Yeah, somebody's yeah someone's got to the effort and pave the way. I also think he's representing a large group of constituents who want this. Did you guys see this part of the story? I'm just going to point this out. That Senator Stevenson, which I'm, he's from, he's a Republican from Layton, and he um, has been tasked by the Senate, uh, excuse me, Senate Majority Caucus with overseeing the liquor legislation here in Utah. He said that their advantage to being a liquor control state. Utah rakes in hundreds of millions of dollars each year that go towards school lunches for needing children. Sorry, I can't say this without laughing. Public safety and keeps the general fund robust. So keep drinking, Utah, because you're feeding the kids. (laughs) What? Let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. That's the way it is in most states. The the tax, the sin tax that goes on alcohol and cigarettes and that sort of stuff. Most of that money actually usually gets put towards education. So why not? Uh, We need a lottery. You know what? 
I don't what? mind paying taxes if it goes to the right thing. And I don't mind if they tax the shit out of it. But make it more accessible well, and get my, rid of some of these ridiculously issue, cumbersome laws. My big issue with the state-run liquor stores is you're paying a double tax at that point. So not only are you paying the liquor tax for every bottle that you buy, you're paying but you're also cost. paying an inflated cost that the state sets in, in most cases. Now, to be fair, some things, like if you can manage to get to the liquor store that's getting the one case of Pappy Van Winkle in the year because you're an insider and you know who it is, you're going to get that bottle cheaper than you can anywhere else in the world. But most of the time, you're going to pay more than what you're going to pay at, at any other liquor store in any other state. So the, the state's making all of that money on you, all of that profit on you, and then taxing you on top of it. Rather than letting a private enterprise, a private business, make the money off the sale. And then tax it. So they're they're double dipping into the liquor fund essentially, as far as. But I'm I have concerned. I I do have one important question. What's Pappy Van Winkle? Not very good. Supposedly, Is it a whiskey? have you had it? Yeah. No, I just had a conversation okay. with a local distiller, and they had bottles in the back. And but if you haven't had it, then I don't want to hear not very good. Why would I have it? So Pappy Van <laughs> Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, is supposed to be a really good, really good whiskey, but they they produce it in very very small batches. It's very controlled, and it's you very get a wristband expensive. and a ticket and a place in line, and you may or may not get one. Yeah, it's really, really? expensive. Yeah, it's really Absolutely. hard to find. It, at at auction, you're probably going to see a bottle go fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars. But the beauty is. Here in the state of Utah, they only... It's about once a year that they do Yeah, it. they only get it like once a year. But they it has to follow the same guidelines everything else does. So it's a, it's just a standard percentage from what they pay from the manufacturer. So if that percentage puts that bottle at 60 bucks, it's only 60 bucks a year. But you can turn around and sell it at auction mm-hmm. for 1500 I wonder if now is a good time to plug the fact that Jess has a really cool blog on... She's actually buying uh, rare whiskeys to invest in kind of her uh, retirement fund. And so she she hosts this really cool blog that's super informative about buying these kind of rare and ex- expensive whiskeys. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Oh, why don't you plug it real quick? I think it's, uh, it's a cool thing. Thanks. And, and you're from Utah, so shit, it's perfect. I am. That's the only thing that I wish would change would be the shipping laws. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get stuff a lot of times. It is, it is. But I have my ways, so... Uh, confessions of a social spectator um, I started in January and and just found a passion for it and it's just really fascinating and I have a lot of really rare bottles bottles that are discontinued uh, really expensive bottles and hope to flip them someday I've never met a person with a more extensive uh, scotch and whiskey collection. <laughs> who, doesn't who doesn't drink? Who doesn't really <laughs> drink it? Yeah. So um, we want to try something new now. Um, we've kind of done it in the past. We did it with fry sauce. We talked about Lagoon, but you know Utah. One of the reasons we do this podcast is is we all love Utah, right? We all have um, some tie to Utah. Some reason that we really enjoy being here. Um, and Utah, for all of its faults, for all of the times that we bitch about stupid laws like, you know, state-run liquor stores and not being able to buy in the morning, 
Utah's come out with some some really cool stuff. Um, one of the things that uh, Utah's kind of credited with is uh, uh, Philo Taylor Farnsworth. Um, he is known basically for being the father of television, and he is a Utahan. Woot! He's from Beaver. <laughs> hey, they also invented the Josh Butterfield. You know, they don't have, by the way, speaking of beaver, you know how you used to be able to see the Fillmore beaver signs? Yes. Where that Fillmore and the mileage and beaver and the mileage right underneath it? There are none of those left. Did They've people all been, steal them? I'm guessing that people stole... So, you still see signs for Fillmore and you Fillmore still see beaver. signs for beaver, but they're never on the same sign anymore. The last couple times I've driven down to southern Utah... Uh, there are no film. I would almost signs. guarantee people were stealing. Nope. And, I, and I'm no sure that was either. a. I w- I would still sign that said Fillmore Beaver, but that's besides <laughs> the point because we we are talking about uh, Farnsworth. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny because that sign was always a uh, an interesting sign to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you think about it, uh, one of the inventions out there that. Uh, is is really a game changer, not just in the U.S. but around the world. Was the television? Yes. So radio was was okay, but it changed. Television changed the way the world saw everything. Video killed the radio star. Uh, it did. Uh, Go Buggles. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did for sure, but uh, you know, with TV, we were able to start seeing things. You know, and eventually with you know the movements of satellites and things like that, we began to see things more real time. So instead of reading what was controlled and, and put in print, or what we maybe heard on the radio, we were actually able to see images of of things going on in World War II, of things going on in Vietnam. And it really changed, I think, the way um, you know we as, a, as Americans and as people in general across the the globe. Um, perceived what was going on around us. Do you know how simple his idea was? It came it, that his idea for television transmission was sparked by the lines that were plowed for beets. I mean, it was out working in the field. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's. Really? Uh, I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, one thing about Farnsworth, uh, if you've ever been to the nation's capital. Um, inside the Capitol, there's a, there's a statuary, essentially, in the Capitol building, where um, all over the Capitol there are statues. Every state basically gets to sponsor two statues that go up in the Capitol. So Utah has two statues. One is of Brigham Young, which, you know, for what it is, Brigham Young is a big part of Utah history. Yeah, absolutely. He, he helped settle the state, found the state, kill a bunch of people. Um, to make the state stick around. I mean, <laughs> had a whole bunch of... Uh, a big part in Utah history. But the other one that's up there is actually a statue of Farnsworth. That's how big of an impact this guy's had. What's funny is how little recognition he gets commonly. Like, no one ever talks about it. He's not He's not even as, as big as uh, Washington that, you know, made the peanut great. Washington Carver? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I just call him Washington because we go way back. You you guys are brothers. Well, he also did things like he worked on um, technologies for uh, radar, night vision. He also worked on tackling the still unsolved puzzle of cold fusion. Yeah. Yeah, What a visionary. I mean, he was born in 1906. I mean, this isn't a guy that 
is our contemporary. He was born way in advance of all of these things. So yeah, he got all his inspiration from sci-fi books. To look at to look at something like Cold Fusion for a guy that was born over a hundred years ago. I mean, that's Cold Fusion is a concept that's tough to master even today. Years ago, yeah, yeah. I just did that math in my head. It was tough math, <laughs> quite, right? You didn't need the abacus. For I that didn't. One. I. It makes so many clacking noises. It'd be disruptive <laughs> to the podcast. Yeah. Well, you know that's okay because I think we're done for today. Oh. Um, you know it's, it's sad. It's getting see warmed you up. We will have a new episode for you next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some interviews coming. Uh, I think we have a couple. Um, something that uh, we're we're going to go ahead and start up now that we've. We've got a, a solid nine under our belt. We're moving. Um, well, more importantly, we have figured out um, a big part of our uh, nine podcast so far has been experimenting with the technology, figuring out what works, what we like, what sounds good. And so we feel like we've kind of made some milestones and some headway there. And Jessica has has uh, such a, an amazing connection with the Pulse of Utah that she's been able to line up a bunch of really cool interviews. And if you are a podcast listener and you have a local business or something that just is unique to you or to Utah, let us know. We'd love uh, to talk to you. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to interview you. Um, but until then, buckle up because we have got some really cool interviews that really make Utah great. And if, and if you do want to reach out to us, feel free to hit us up on Facebook at the New Utah Podcast on Twitter at uh, TNU Podcast. Um, we actually do a lot of stuff on Twitter. That's probably the, the easiest way to get a hold of us. If you have something cool going on, let us know. Yeah, uh, shoot it to event. us, and, and we'll push it out to our followers. If you want to um, buy me a drink, I'm always <laughs> open for that. Well, yeah, he might uh, get a half mass, a little chubby afterwards. But. Uh, I'd say it's a good chance. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's it. Josh? It's time. Good night, Josh. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house. Whoops.